Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. talking about words that move heaven. This is a message so dear to my heart. And we need to be thorough about it too, because there's so much out there, so much talk about this word of faith, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. You've heard it said out there. You know why? Because their understanding is shallow. That's why. You see, if you really understood the depth of it, then you would know it's true. And so we talked about some things. For example, take this one verse right here. Numbers 14, verse 28. Quick review. Say unto them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as your neighbor has spoken in mine ears. As you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. If we just took that one verse of scripture and meditated on that verse one day, all day long. And you recorded everything you said throughout the day. You'd be at the end of the day taking some inventory and saying, Don't do that to me, Lord. 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 As you have spoken in my ears, that's what I'm going to do to you. And guess what? That's what happened to these people. In the book of Proverbs 18, verse 21, notice what it says. Oh, we could quote it. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You know what that means? We eat the fruit of our words. Eventually, we eat the fruit of our words. You know the sinner who's going to be spending eternity in the lake of fire will one day hear himself say it, probably on a big old screen. Someone walking up to him and just saying, would you like to make Jesus the Lord of your life? He will hear himself say, I don't need Jesus. I'm good enough. I could do it myself. He will eat the fruit of those words eternally. Can you imagine that? Imagine that. I have it happen to me. I pray this person has changed. But I, I talked to this person, came from a religious background. I said, do you know Christ as your Savior? Are you born again? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Uh, no. And I explained the whole plan of salvation. And I said, all you got to do is accept Christ and make him Lord of your life. Would you like to do that with me and pray that right now? He said, nah, I'm doing pretty good on my own. If he doesn't get saved, you know what he's going to hear himself say one day? No, I'm doing pretty, pretty well on my own. He doesn't want Christ. He will eat the fruit of those words. The Israelites, under the leadership of Moses, the Moses generation, 20 and up, did not enter the promised land because of what they said. He said, as you spoke in my ears, so will I do to you. Joshua and Caleb, the Joshua generation from 19 and under, entered the promised land. Why? Because... He heard them say, we can do it. God's on our side. He'll see us through it. And he'll defeat all of our enemies. And they got in the promised land. Well, did they eat the fruit of their words? They both did, didn't they? Both groups did, didn't they? Absolutely. Now, as we continue our study, look at this in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Because last week we talked about seven things that Joshua was told by God to teach the people to really get them prepared to enter that promised land. Number one, your enemy is defeated. Number two, you've got a covenant with God. Number three, remember where you were, where you are, and how you got here. And number four, it's a brand new day. Number five, you're not alone. There's a host of angels that are surrounding you to fight and defend you. And then number six, I've already given you the land. It already belongs to you. And number seven, whatever I say to you to do, do it, even if it's illogical. Those are not just seven things to say I know what they are. They're principles. Your enemy's defeated. Say with me, my enemy's defeated. I've got a covenant with God. A covenant keeping God we've got a covenant with. Do we know what that really means? 
Number three, do you know where you were, where you are, and how you got there? You and I were in, were in darkness, utter darkness. We got out, not because of who we are, but Christ came and pulled us out of that realm by his blood. And guess what? It's a brand new day. The day of manna has ended. The bread of life came from heaven and we've partaken of him. He's in us. Christ in us. The hope of glory. Do you see it? He's already given us the land. Number six. Or number five. We're not alone. We're not alone. No, we're not alone. Angels have been given charge over us to keep us in all of our ways, to bear us up in our hands as we dash our foot against a stone. They are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who are the heirs of salvation. And praise God, you're not alone. Whatever the endeavor might be, you are not alone. Say with me, I am not alone. alone. Praise God. He manifested himself, said, I'm not, you're not alone. I will get you into that promised land. Number six, I've already given you the land. It belongs to you. It is your land. Everywhere the, the sole of your foot shall tread, I have given you. But guess what? It's not until you tread that it becomes a reality. Amen. We've got to walk it out. We've got to walk by faith. And number seven, whatever he says to you, if, even if it's illogical, do it. How logical is it to walk around walls with a multitude of people blowing horns? To bring down the mighty walls of Jericho. How can they come down just like that? Does it matter? He said, do it because I told you to do it. And if you'll do it, those walls will come down. It's illogical, yes. But you know what? When God's in it, it becomes logical. Can you see that? And then we said this. Okay, how can that apply to my life? You got a problem? Is it a mountain? Is it a tree? Speak to it. What? Speak to it. What? For verily I say to you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart believe, but thou shalt believe what he says will come to pass, he will have what he says. Wait a minute. Are you one of those name it claim? No, no. No, no. I'm quoting Jesus. You want to call him a name it claim it? You want to call him a blabbit rabbit? Anybody want to do that? He said, speak if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you would say that that sycamine tree be plucked up by the root and planted into the sea and it would obey you. What? Oh, come on now, Lord, how can I speak to that tree? It obey me. How can I speak to that mountain and it's going to be removed? If you believe in your heart that what you say with your mouth. Did you know that Jesus made this statement? These people. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You see, the secret is this. Get these two components together in sync. The heart and the mouth. The heart and the mouth. Those ten spies made the hearts of the people melt within. And they spoke out murmuring and complaining. And they got what they said. Joshua and Caleb said, we've got God on our side. We're well able to take the land. And Caleb said, I brought word as it was in my heart. The word that he spoke was in his heart. You see the distinct difference between the two? Don't just echo somebody else. Don't parrot somebody else. They got it right here. You know what? I had a personal experience. We'll get to this in a minute. Personal experience. When uh, I was at school, I was being taught this whole time about angels and their ministry and how we can get them involved in, in the activities of our lives Because they also listen to what's being spoken and said, you know, God hears what we say. As you spoke in my ears, so will I do to you. And I'm walking back to as my car was ajar and all my tapes were stolen and I was frustrated and all that. They were, you know, my tapes and everything. You've heard me say this before. Well, as I was walking back to disclose what happened, sudden I just, do you love the suddenlies? I want you to see the difference here. I was, I was frustrated walking back, about to say, someone stole all my teaching tapes. I stopped halfway there and I went, no, those are my tapes. Someone out there in the courtyard might have heard me. I'm not exactly sure. If they did, they probably thought I was a nut. Because I said, no, those are mine. They belong to me. 
Now, Lord, if they get saved by listening to my tapes, great, but they're mine. Angels, I release you in the name of Jesus. Go get my tapes and bring them back. It's pretty bold, but you know what? When you're walking with God and God is moving in your heart, it was one of those suddenlies. Because I kind of even questioned myself, what did I just do? It just came out of me. And guess what? 10 o'clock that night, it was rainy. I get a knock on my door, and someone's standing there with all my tapes like this and said, are these yours? Yes. Here. I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I don't know anybody there. I don't even know how he knew that's where I lived. This was an apartment complex with all kinds of apartments in it. Gave them all to me, turned around, and walked away. Wow. You see, you get what you say if you believe in your heart and say it with your mouth. But here's the catch. you got to believe it in the heart and say it with the mouth. Now let's look at that verse of Scripture because this is so powerful and impacting. This explains it all. This is the first chapter of the book of Joshua. He's taking over the leadership for Moses who failed to get him in because of their unbelief. Now here's what God says to Joshua. Josh, this book of the law shall not depart out of your what? What? This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein once a week, day and night, that you may observe to do. Whoa. You see the secret here? This is the key to being a doer of the word. It's not getting more information and more information and more information, more information, more information and more information till we are ever learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. It is taking what we know it is meditating it, getting it to sink in our ears, sink within our heart, and then become a vital part of our lives. You see, knowledge that is not a reality is, is detached from our lives. But through this thing called meditation, we're able to do, we become a doer of the word according to all that is written therein. Then you make a way prosperous and then you'll have a good success. This goes on to say, so in other words... The workshop should be somewhere in a private place where you and I get alone with God and we say, okay, this verse says that. I know it. I can even quote it. But is it attached to my life? Is it a reality in my life? Is it in my heart that I really know what that really means? See, and that takes meditation. So we mutter it. We meditate it. We speak it. He knew the value of that. He said, speak it over and over and over every day and every night, every day and every night. Why? Because what you're doing, and listen to this carefully, there's a confession unto faith, and there was a confession of faith. A confession unto faith brings faith into my heart. A confession on faith is released. Go back to the book of Genesis. And what do you find in chapter 1, in the beginning? In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. And the earth was void and without form. And God said... God said, see, the Holy Ghost was hovering over all the face of the deep. It was in a chaotic state. Everything was just under judgment. And when God said, let there be light, the Holy Spirit went into action. When God said, let the earth bring forth fruitful trees, etc., the Holy Spirit went into action. This is a divine principle. You believe it in your heart. You say it with your mouth. The Holy Ghost will move when you say it. Angels will move when you say it. But I've got to believe it here. Someone says, well, I tried that. It didn't work. That's the problem right there. You tried it. It didn't work. And you said it a million times that you tried it and it didn't work. And guess what? It's working because it's not working. Yes. Think about that through and for a moment. You'll get exactly what I just said. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. I know. It, I know it doesn't work. You're getting exactly. It's working for you because it doesn't work. Yes. And you keep saying it doesn't work and keep saying it doesn't work and keep saying it doesn't work. So guess what? It doesn't work for you. But you know what? If you start saying this, I may not understand it, Lord. It may sound illogical to me, but I'm going to do what you said to do. There's a mountain right there in front of me. I'm speaking to you, mountain. That mountain's been speaking to you long enough. Now it's time for me to speak to that mountain and say, you know what? Get out 
of my way in the name of Jesus. You will not be a hindrance to me. You will not dictate to my life. You will not overcome. Whatever the situation might be, I declare and I decree this day that praise God, he's greater in me than you. So get out of my life. Get out of my way. I refuse to be dominated by you. Now, to become a doer of God's word, we have to meditate the word of God by day and night. It doesn't just happen because we want it to happen. So rather than gaining more and more and more and more and more, let's take what we have and what we know and meditate it, mutter it, speak it, keep it in our mouths by day and night because it brings faith into our hearts. And then if we feed our heart faith when we don't need it, our heart will feed our mouth faith when we do need it. And that's what I mean when I said I learned this all these last, it was like two weeks, really intense teaching on the ministry of angels, a lot that was taught there, and I just filled my heart up with it. And when it came time for me to need it, to use it, it was there. But see, if I didn't feed on it, it wouldn't have been there. How many of you believe in physical exercise? The rest of you? Get a pass to the why. <laughs> what does physical exercise do? It strengthens the body and tones the body, right? Isn't that what it does? What about mental exercise? Mental exercise strengthens what? The mind and sharpens it, right? Spiritual exercise, what does it do? Strengthens the spirit and builds faith in it. So meditation is a spiritual exercise that does what? Strengthens the spirit and builds faith into it. You see, faith is not something that you maintain and you have at all times. Faith that you have in him will eke out. Just like air out of a balloon. Only when we feed on it constantly does it stay strong. That's why faith comes by hearing, not by having heard. And when you hear yourself say, well, I heard that before. Uh-oh. That's dangerous. You heard something before? That's like me saying, I ate food yesterday. So I don't need any today. The energy that it produces, I need today. And it's the same thing, same thing is true spiritually. I need spiritual food every day. My heart needs to hear the word every single day. By your stripes, I was healed. 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 I get it. By your stripes, I was healed until it dominates my spirit. And when it dominates my spirit and I release it through my mouth, I'm bringing faith. But then I release faith, praise God, when I need it. And guess what? The Holy Ghost begins to move. Look at Psalm in uh, Psalm 1. Now, Joshua was taught this, but look at David. Here's what he says. Blessed is the man that walks not, notice where you walk, in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinner, or sits in the seat of the scornful. So it's where you stand, where you walk, where you walk, where you stand, and where you sit. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he what? Meditate. How often? By day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in the season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does is going to prosper. So once again, David understood the value and the importance of what? Meditating in the word of God by day and night. Once again, wouldn't, you, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could have the same kind of indicators within us spiritually as we do physically? When my body has been denied food for a period of time, there's a rumbling that begins on the inside. Does yours do the same thing? What is that voice trying to tell you? When you have been denied water for any length of time, is there something in your mouth that starts to tell you something, to indicate to you something? I need a drink. Well, you see, we need to have this word of God on a day-by-day -day basis to feed on it, meditate on it, and to build ourselves up spiritually on it. But we can let a day go by, two days, three days, a week go by, or whatever, and not even consider it. Why? Because we don't have that kind of an indicator. Sometimes I think there should be some, some kind of spiritual zapper. Just to zap us. Oh, you're low. On faith for healing, you're low. On faith for forgiving, you're low. On faith for protection, whatever. Wouldn't that be great? Well, it would, but just listen on the inside, I guess. That's the best thing to do. In the book of Philemon, and I love this verse of scripture. I call it the filet mignon of the Bible. That the communication of your faith may become effectual, active, operative, productive 
How? By sitting in church. By doing good deeds. By giving to the poor. No. If I want the communication of my faith to be effectual, I have to acknowledge every good thing that is where? In us, in Christ. You know what that means? The word acknowledge is epigognosko in the Greek. And it means a full revelation and understanding. In Christ Jesus, God has made a deposit in all of our lives. And I mean, it is a wonderful deposit. But guess what? If I don't acknowledge it, if I don't declare it, decree it, and voice it, oh, it's there, but it's dormant. It's not effectual. It's not active. It's not operative. It's not doing anything. It's there. You see, it's only when you and I activate these things from the heart that the Holy Ghost begins to move and manifest himself in a powerful way to do what we're asking or what we're declaring, what we're saying, or even asking God to do. So this teaching, like I said, that people call the word of faith, I never called it that. I just call it faith in God's word. This is what the Bible teaches. It's not mind science. It's not mind over matter. It's not metaphysical mind science religions or anything like that. It's not Christian science or anything like that. You know what it is? Obedience to do what God said to do in my given situation. Is there a mountain before you? He said to speak to it. Is there a tree of bitterness that's on the inside of you that's rising up and keeping you down? What did he say? Tell it to get out. Pluck it out. Be planted in the sea. Why in the sea? The sea of forgetfulness. Put it in the sea of forgetfulness and leave it right there. So in other words, what we believe and what we say is what this whole life is all about. This is what got us into the kingdom. And this is what keeps the kingdom operating in us. So now look at this verse here in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. And verses 13 through 15. In prior verses, it says that he gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, edifying of the body of Christ, that we all come to the unity of faith, to the knowledge of a son, a son of God, and to a perfect man under the full measure of the stature of Christ, till we all come into the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You know what? That word, that scripture right there is like, what? Till we all come, all, into the unity of the faith, this is the function of the fivefold ministry, Unto a perfect or mature man spiritually, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby the light wait and deceive. But speaking, that's the verse I wanted to get to, but speaking the truth in love. Speak, what? Speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things. How do I grow spiritually? By doing good deeds, going good works, going... No. The tongue is involved once again. Speaking the truth in love. Well, what's the truth? John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. What is really truth? Is that pain in your arm truth? It's a lower level of truth. But it's not the truth. The truth is by his stripes I was healed. But my body tells me something else. And it seems foolish, impractical. It goes against all science and biology and all that you want to talk, talk about, whatever. But you know what? If you say I'm healed by your stripes, Jesus, I'm healed by your stripes. My body says no, but you say yes, I'm shooting this, choosing the side with you. I'm on your team. It may sound foolish, but you know what? The doctors told us it's foolish for us to think he can live. Andrew, right here, he can live. He can't live. Very words. We can let him die in your arms here or let him die in surgery there. He can't live. So if you want to have a few moments with him, go ahead. And we said, just do what you have to do, doctors. We believe. You see, there is something to believe beyond the natural world, the medical world, and even evidence of the senses. And that's called the word of God. And trust me, I'm so glad I was prepared before this ever happened. See, this was another event, but praise God. We said, no, Father, we're asking you give him a left pulmonary artery. And guess what? 
every day for nine solid months. Thank you for Andrew's left pulmonary artery. It is open. It is growing. It is whole in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, oh, thank you. Thank you for Andrew's left pulmonary artery. It is open. It is growing. It is whole. Uh, my wife, Krista, she's singing the left pulmonary artery song. I don't have the lyrics. I don't have any, uh, you know, tabs on it or anything like that. But she sang the left pulmonary artery song to his, to his body every single day. I said it. She sang it. And we just kept on praising God every day, every day, every day, every day. See, someone says, I try that. It's not trying. It's knowing it has to be. Because you're saying what God said. Everything you say must be rooted and grounded in what God said. And we kept saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it for nine solid months. And when that Indian doctor came out of the room where they gave him the catheterization, ten months later, after the procedure, he came out almost dancing in the waiting room and said, He's got a left pulmonary artery that's normal size. We've been saying it for nine months. Oh, go ahead. Praise him. Hallelujah. Praise him. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And he's sitting right there. And can't wait to get back to heaven and see Jesus again. <laughs> Amen. How do we promote spiritual growth? Speaking the truth in love. What is the truth? God's greater in me than he that's in the world. What is the truth? I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus. We'll get to that in just a moment. But look at this verse here in Ecclesiastes. Are you ready? Are we mature enough to hear these words in Ecclesiastes? Are you ready for it? Have you got your steel-toed shoes on? Because I guarantee you we're going to get stepped on, every single one of us, myself included. Keep your foot when you go to the house of God. Be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they consider not what they, that they do evil. Be not rash with your mouth. Hmm. And let not your heart, notice the mouth and heart, be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven and you're upon the earth. Therefore, let your words be Ouch. How many? Few. Few. For in a dream, for a dream comes to the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. When you vow a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, is no pleasure in fools. Pay the, that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Suffer not or don't allow your mouth to cause your flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For in the multitude of dreams and many words, there are also diverse vanities. But notice this last expression, but fear God. Fear thou God. You know, in actuality, what you can say is this. Solomon is, is like James saying, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. But in this section of scripture, what we read really is this. He talks about hearing. He talks about speaking. He talks about humbling ourselves. He talks about vowing. He talks about sinning with our tongue. Now, you put all this together, and you see something here. On this end, who are we to go to God and just say, you brought us out here to die in the wilderness. You didn't bring us out so that we could have a wonderful life. You brought us out. And now look, we need some money or we need some bread or we need some uh, water or we need shelter or whatever. And they were just rambling on and on, murmuring, complaining. And this Moses and this Aaron and who, that's all they did. And so finally God said that you spoke in my ears. You got it. Your words, you'll eat the fruit of your words. Do you see that? But not these two, Joshua and Caleb and those 19 and under. No, no, they're going to go in the promised land. They're going to feast. They're going to feast. Of these statements made by Solomon, let every man be swift to hear. Hearing. Hearing 
is our responsibility. And I want you to see two scriptures here that Jesus spoke about hearing. First one's in Mark and, and the next one's in Luke. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, take heed, now notice this word, what you hear. Take heed, what, what are you hearing? What am I hearing? The gospel we hear is the gospel we live by. And if you go and you hear things that are not true, you're going to develop a doctrine in that. And you're going to live by that. Look at Luke 18, Luke 8, 18. Take heed, therefore, notice this next word, how you hear. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and so on. But notice, he's talking about what you hear and how you hear. Those that have heard about the word of faith from the wayside, that have no understanding of its depth and, and the foundational principles of it, like I said, they, put, they throw the baby out with the bathwater is the expression a lot of people used. Okay, There's a truth to it. And the devil's going to distort it to see to it that he destroys people's faith. He's always done that over the years. Jesus said, take care, heed what you hear and how you hear it. This is so essential. What are you hearing and how are you hearing it? Are you hearing it in the right way? Are you receiving it in your ear? He's not just talking about, I heard like a, a sound, a noise. I heard uh, something fall and break. A light bulb fell and boom, I heard the sound. Yeah, I heard it. But are you hearing it? He's basically saying, are you hearing it in such a way so as to consider it? To realize that you can accept it or you can reject it? Are you realizing it's something that's going to challenge you to make a decision in your life as to how you're going to live your life? Look at Matthew 27, 24 through 27. Here Jesus makes this statement. Whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, now how are you going to do them? By meditating it day and night, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that hears these saying of mine, see, they both hear, and does them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the winds came, and it said, the rain descended, the floods came, winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Okay, so we see here Jesus talking about the things he said. If you hear it and do it, you'll succeed. If you hear it and don't do it, you won't succeed. What's the key to doing it? Meditation. It's not getting more teaching and learning more information. It's meditation. It's taking the truth and meditating it, getting before the throne of God and just saying, I want this to be a reality in my life. I hear it. I can accept it. I want to live by it. And even though I know right now that in my life it's maybe not even a reality, but you know what? I see the truth. Look at Romans chapter 10. I see the truth. I want it to be a reality in my life. You wait in the presence of God till he builds it into your spirit, line upon line, precept upon precept, and then it becomes something that you declare and you proclaim. Look at, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Why couldn't they do it? Because they weren't meditating it. Why are they not believing it and doing it? Because they're not meditating it. They're not thinking it through. And that's exactly what he's trying to say to us. We've got to hear it with the idea that I'm going to accept it. I'm going to walk in the light of it. I want it to be a re reality in my life. And I'm going to sit before the presence of Almighty God until it does. I heard you must be born again probably for years, so like six years or something like that, before I ever accepted Christ as my Savior. Why? Because I didn't really hear it the first time. You know, you can hear something, but it doesn't become a part of you. You listen to it. You meditate it. You pour over it. You mutter it. You keep saying it and saying it and saying it. It's like the workshop of faith until finally it reaches your spiritual condition, your heart, and you embrace it as a truth inside your spirit being. And then when you declare it, you're saying it in faith, not presumption, not foolishness, but you're absolutely receive, releasing faith in that word. And guess what? The Holy Ghost begins to move. You see, 
the work of God is a work of faith with power. Not faith alone, but faith with power. And for lo the longest time, it's been people wanting the power, the charismatic movement, and people coming over to the word of faith. So you've got the word of faith. You've got these two camps out there. But guess what? The true, the reality is this. God wanted to bring those two together and just start saying, this is how it works together. I speak the word and the spirit of God makes it a reality in your life. But if we don't speak the word, we give the Holy Ghost nothing to work with in our lives. And so we've got to speak the word and say what it says, even though we don't feel that way. It doesn't look that way. It may not seem that way, but keep on saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it over and over and over and over till the Holy Ghost builds that truth inside our spirit. And guess what? It becomes a reality. What a difference it makes in our lives. So you ready for them? Look at the first one. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Yeah, 5.17. I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation. I'm a new species that never before existed. Do we, do we hear that? No, really, do we hear that? In the Greek, that's what it means. I'm a new species that never before existed. I'm not just a person saved by grace. I've heard some people say, well, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And I know they haven't heard it when they can talk like that. You know why? Because you're not a sinner that's been saved by grace. You were a sinner. You've been saved by grace. And now you're a child of God. You're no longer an ain't. You're a saint. You are a new species of being that never before existed. And if I can give us the depth of that understanding, go back to Adam. Adam was created by God into God's image and all that. We know that spirit, soul, and body, perfect harmony with God. When he sinned, he fell. Spirit, soul, and body were separated from God. And then God so loved the world, he didn't want to leave us in that state. So in order for him to redeem us from that state, he had to do something humongous. Send his son from the glory world behind to come to this earth, robe himself in flesh, become a man, walk upon this earth, suffer, die on, a Calvary, on Calvary's cross, rise on the third day. Why? So that you could become, I'm just a worm in the dust. I know, I'm so unworthy. I hear people pray, I'm so unworthy, Lord. Yeah, if you go by your feelings and emotions, we're all unworthy every single day of our lives. Let's be honest with each other. But if you say what God said about you, you are a new what? Creature or creation. New one, new species of being that never before existed. God is in you. Christ is in you. The hope of glory. So what does he want us to say? I am a new creation. Say it with me. I'm a new creation. I'm a new species in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He wants us to hear ourselves say that. And stop saying I'm unworthy. Stop saying I just can't. God has done a work in us that cost him the life of his son. And he wants us to agree with him. How can two walk together except they be agreed, Job said. So, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and all things are brand new. So when you look at me, praise God, B.C., before Christ and A.D., thank God. <laughs> I look a whole lot better. And so do you. All right, so now you're a new creation. Guess what else? When was the last time you said, I'm an ambassador for Christ? I'm an ambassador for Christ. I'm an ambassador for Christ. Look at that verse. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ that be reconciled to God. Ambassador is a representative of the highest order. Say it with me. I'm an ambassador. A representative of the highest order for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm a new species. I'm an ambassador for Christ. And here's the next one. Verse 21. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we would be made worms in the dust, unworthy to approach the throne of God. No, 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 no. 
That we would be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. But you're not going on your righteousness. You're going on his righteousness. And you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Everything I'm telling you, you have nothing to do with. You cannot possibly do any of this. All you can say is, I believe it and I'm repeating it. So the gospel you hear is the gospel you live by. When I first got saved, I came out of a, a denominational church and I went to this church up in Gerard, Ohio. And the preacher, his goal was to browbeat you with guilt and condemnation till you finally made your way up to the front and got on your knees and, and you, had to, you were so guilty and so condemned before God because you sneezed too hard in church. <laughs> and then once he would pray for you, you see, it was almost like an ego trip. I, I feel better if I pray for you. And, and then, you know what my, my desire is? I teach you so well that you know who you are in Christ. You don't need to come to me. You could go straight to the throne of Almighty God with the word of God in your mouth, the sharp two-edged sword in your hand. Can you see that? You're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're a new creation. You're an ambassador for Christ. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. And then also, look at this one in Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby you cry out the Father. It's spirit that bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join us with Jesus. If so be that we suffer with him, we shall be glorified together. What are we? Children. Heirs and joint heirs with Jesus. Did you get that? I'm a child of God. I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus. When Jesus said, it's my good pleasure, my father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He meant what he said. In Christ, he's given us the keys to the kingdom. In Christ, we have everything that there is that pertains to life and godliness. In Christ, he has held nothing back from us, praise God. And he wants us to start declaring that and saying that until it becomes a reality. So we could hear it, but are we really hearing it, accepting it, receiving it and saying, I'm going to stop all that negativity, stop all that talk that keeps me out of my promised land. I'm going to join forces with Caleb and, and, and Joshua and start declaring that, praise God, it doesn't matter how illogical it might be, but I'm going to say that I'm special in the sight of Almighty God. Look at the book of Acts. Oh, no, I'm sorry, 837. Look at Romans 837 before I go to the book of Acts. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Height, depth, principalities, powers, the works of the, of the world. None of them can keep me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. In all those things, I am more than, I am more than a conqueror through him that loves me. What does he want to hear us say? What does God want us to say in his ears? I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me. That's what he wants to hear us say. See, once again, this is not magic. This is someone who says God's word is to be exalted above my feelings, my emotions, or anybody that's out there that says something contrary to what God said about me. And so, therefore, I'm going to side with God, agree with God, walk with God, and declare it because I know he gives me what he hears me say. And if that's the case, then I'm going to say the right thing. Now look at the book of Acts. And if you're not on fire yet, you'll get on fire right now. But you shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come on you and you're going to become my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the other parts of the earth. You ready with it for it? I am Holy Ghost empowered. Did you hear that? Say it with me. I am Holy Ghost empowered. The fire of God is in me. I am Holy Ghost empowered. The power of the Holy Ghost is in me. Hallelujah. The power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. It dwells in me. Hallelujah. It's called resurrection power and resurrection life. And where is it? The rest of you? Where is it? You see, this is called identification. Identification means I identify with Christ. We can identify with the devil thinks of us. Well, we can identify what God thinks of us. I'd rather identify what God thinks of us than the devil thinks of us. But I and you, we're Holy Ghost empowered. Empowered by the Spirit of Almighty God. We get our energy from the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. And guess what? Every time you say that, God hears you say that. 
When you say this, he is the strength of my life. Let the weak say, why does he want you to say it? Because every time you say, I'm so weak, I'm so weak, I'm so weak, I'm so weak, I'm so weak. He hears you and he says, Holy Ghost says, I've got nothing to work with. But when he hears you say, I am strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Let the weak say, I am strong. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I've got joy unspeakable, full of glory inside me. And praise God Almighty, greater He is he that's in me. When he hears you say that, you know what happens? The Holy Ghost begins to move in your life and manifest himself. Look at the next one in Ephesians chapter 1. Chapter one. I walked into Walmart just, just it was yesterday. And I said, uh, the fellow that was standing there, a greeter at the door, and I walked in and said, he said to me, hi, welcome. I said, hi, how are you? He said, I'm too blessed to be stressed. <laughs> and he said, how are you? I said, I'm equally as blessed. <laughs> and he kind of took him back for just a moment. Really? I said, yeah, I'm equally as blessed. You know why? Because that verse says, you and I are blessed. Blessed be the God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with a few little all oh, blessings. All. Oh, he left nothing out. Say with me, I'm blessed. Beyond measure. I'm blessed. Coming in. Going out. In the city. In the field. In the basket. In the store. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above, not beneath. I am blessed with all blessings in Christ. I don't know about you, but it's doing something for me. Now, this next one here is one of my favorites. Did you notice I have a lot of favorites? Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. And this is uh, in the King James. It just says you're his workmanship. But let's read it in the King James first. And I'll give you the other translation. Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God before ordained that we should walk in them. And the word workmanship really in the Greek is it means more of a masterpiece. A masterpiece is a work of outstanding artistry, skill and workmanship. So in Christ, we are his workmanship, his masterpiece. Boy, you never got up in the morning, looked inside that mirror and just said, what a masterpiece you are. Oh, what a masterpiece I'm looking at right now. Hallelujah, right? Can you see when you come from this, I told you this church, I was so guilty every time. I didn't find out until finally one day I realized I'm on a cloud when I go to church. I'm down in the dumps when I leave church. I am browbeaten with guilt and condemnation and everything else. And I just, finally it hit me. What am I hearing? People don't come because it's a picnic. They got a family and, and people. And I'm going to tell the preacher, I'm here. Preach to me. Yes. Don't preach how bad they are. Preach to me. Yes. See, the goal was to get people at the altar, like I said. And so I figured it out. And guess what? I start walking in with a spring in my step and I left with one also. I didn't criticize or anything like that. I just said, no, that's not me. I'm greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm a world overcomer by my faith. I didn't know about being a masterpiece, but I was his workmanship. I'm a masterpiece. And now you know you're a masterpiece. That's my goal to let you know who you are in Christ because what he did, he did in you and he did for you so that you could rise up to the place of who he is and become mature, as he said, unto the full measure of the stature of Christ. How are you going to get there? With your mouth and your heart. That's the only way you're going to get there. Not by doing good deeds and works and all that. We thank God for all that. But the way you're going to get there is by saying like something like this here. I am God's masterpiece. Devil, get out of my way because I'm marching on with the living God who raised Jesus from the dead. He's alive in me. And no whatever, whatever it might be, a shortcoming in my life, I'm going to speak to it. Someone once was controlled by tobacco. And he went to finally everywhere to get prayed for. I believe in prayer. But listen to what I'm saying to you. He was prayed for the best, by the best of them all, you know, all the, the great evangelists and all that, and not at all released from tobacco. One day, he heard a message like this, and he was told, go home and start speaking to yourself. Start saying, to, speak to tobacco, nicotine. You've got no power over me. I'm delivered. I'm set free. He goes, what if I get an urge? Well, go ahead and smoke one if you get an urge. So, but keep on saying it, keep on saying it, keep on declaring it, keep on decreeing it, and I guarantee you, you'll see a difference in your life. 
He came back a few weeks later and just said to the, to the minister, he said, I did exactly what you said. By the time I went for a two or a third cigarette, something like that, I threw the pack out of my, my pocket, threw it away. I said, I am free from tobacco. I am free from nicotine. It has no power over me. Listen to what I'm saying. You want to know why people are bound by it? Because they confess it and they declare it. I can't seem to break this habit. You're getting what you say. You can't seem to break the habit. You say, but it's true. It's a lower truth. If you start saying, greater is he that's in me. And nicotine, I'm talking to you. That sounds foolish, huh? Illogical. Well, how Jesus talked to a tree in a mountain. He talked to a lake, a river. He, he spoke to inanimate objects. Right? I can't get on this subject and not preach. I, I just, I can't stop. When I get on this subject, I just can't stop. The Holy Ghost is in you. He spoke to that nicotine, and within a few weeks, he had no desire any longer for nicotine. You see, we're, 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 what we're doing is we're enlisting spiritual forces in our lives. Tammy, come on up. That's what we're doing. Now, these, these next two, I got to get them in real quick. Colossians chapter 1, verses 21-22. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now hath he reconciled. Say with me, I'm reconciled. In the body of his flesh through death to present you. Say with me, I'm holy. I'm blameable. I'm reprovable in his sight. Say it again, I'm holy. Unblameable. Unreprovable in his sight. I am reconciled to God by the blood of Jesus. I'm holy, unblameable, unreprovable in the sight of God. I declare it. I decree it. And finally, look at 1 John 5, 4. For whatsoever is born of God. Have you been born of God? You overcome the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our unbelief. No? You mean there's a distinct difference between the two? Even our faith. You know why it's your faith? Because it's your faith in what he did, not what you do. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Amen.